Welcome to Transition Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. Today's episode is going to be all about games and we are going to be talking about a lot of things such as Call of Duty and Destiny's India pricing, what to expect when you buy Blizzard games in India, and some things about why the Xbox One S is delayed apart from new Assassin's Creed and Far Cry leaks. So first up allow me to introduce the people who are going to be on this podcast. The cast of regulars is back. We have games editor Rishi Alwani. Greetings. Our friend of the podcast Mikhail Madnani. Hello. And I'm your host Pranay Parab. So I think first of all we should start by talking about the India pricing strategy that Activision has adopted with uh, games such as the upcoming Call of Duty and Destiny 2. Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, in the past couple of years Activision has been for the lack of a better term lazy. So what's essentially happened now is we we're seeing pricing for Call of Duty World War 2 and Destiny 2 way ahead of time. Uh in the past Activision has been for the lack of a better term lazy when it comes to India. We've had situations where games like Black Ops 3 and Infinite Warfare and even Advanced Warfare get pricing and availability information basically a month month and a half two months before release which is unheard of considering other countries like South Africa and even you know the US and everywhere else have their pre-orders up and running uh at the same time which is usually 6 6 months ahead of time. So it seems that Activision's finally realized that things have to be done in a specific fashion or they've probably realized that infinite warfare wasn't the cash cow they thought it was because i i as while, while we can't speak for other regions it's very easy now to get a copy of infinite warfare for under 2000 rupees on the ps4 if you know where to look mm. so uh w- without without uh, pressing without delaying much further yeah uh call of duty world war 2 is rupees 4299 on the ps4 and xbox one the pc version will be available on disc for 3499 bucks which is a lot cheaper than what it is on steam the steam version of the game is 4400 rupees uh at the same time uh the distributor has confirmed with us that there are that uh the collectors editions of these of this game or rather the pro edition as it's called which has a steel book and some extras that hasn't been confirmed for india yet uh the game is available up for pre-order and when you pre-order you get access to the private beta it's it's amusing why they call it private beta because you know privates also rank in the army and stuff like that maybe they just want to drive home the theme am i right but yeah so if you pre-order you get access to the private beta but what's amusing though is uh if if we if we dial back a bit with uh, infinite war with in with uh, advanced warfare which is a 2014 game they had an exclusivity with flipkart an online exclusivity with flipkart uh that didn't end well for them uh because even though offline retailers were selling and sold much more than flipkart it didn't end well for them because uh the price ended up dropping really fast and it was very easy to get the game two week, cheaper two weeks post release we saw them claw back a bit with black ops 3 uh availability was everywhere pricing stayed strong for a while but with the uh, infinite warfare it's been a, a train wreck uh you can pick up the game for like 2000 bucks a little less if you know where to look it doesn't help matters that infinite warfare was pretty rubbish in my opinion so hopefully we'll see hopefully they're basically aggressive because you know world war 2 is an important game uh as that aside what's interesting is that the pricing is uh 200 rupees less than what than what infinite warfare was which is also an interesting sign uh this probably has to do with the weak with a stronger rupee and also has to do with the fact that uh I mean at the end of it if there's going to be a price drop weeks down the line why even make it too high to begin with I guess uh but I'm guessing your reasoning with regards to the value of the rupee is more accurate in this case Yes yes it's definitely that 
What's also interesting is uh, that there are digital deluxe editions as well, which comes with the season pass. Those go for 6,500 rupees on PS4 and Xbox One, while the PC version is for 7,000. And uh, the digital standard editions are essentially 4,000 rupees. So what's happening here, we're seeing a very odd situation where uh, the pricing between physical and digital isn't that much of a gap unless it's on PC. And yeah, if you had to buy it, and if you had to buy it on PC, you might as well just buy it at local retail where it's cheaper. Um, similarly, Activision has the same price band for Destiny 2, which is interesting in itself because, the, again, the first Destiny was exclusive to Amazon. Did not end well. And wasn't it 4799 or something? I think it was 4599 or 4499. Okay. But it was, but it was ex- more expensive than everything else at the time. Exactly. It was at that time the most expensive game. And it didn't sell too well at all. Uh, the word on the street is uh, Amazon was thirsty for any form of exclusivity. It was the same year Amazon got Xbox One as an exclusive. So they wanted a game. And we know how that ended. Yeah, that, that didn't end well. And with Destiny was a situation where Activision was so front-loaded, so interested in getting, you know, pre-orders from everywhere that the market was flooded with copies. And, uh, well, that didn't end too well either because you can still buy... I think if you know... I think with Destiny, it went as low as 9.99, which was... Yeah, I picked up a copy of the original Destiny on PS4 for, like, I think 900. Yeah, so there you go. And uh, after that, we noticed that the expansion packs, like Taken King, which were available on disc... Those were available, uh, that was available everywhere. And again, limited quantities because the first game didn't do, because the base game didn't do too well. And with with Destiny 2, we know for a fact that the quantities are going to be limited. Uh, This is something that's been confirmed by the distributor. Again, like Call of Duty, no idea for getting limited or collector's editions just yet. But uh, it's, Destiny is an interesting, has an interesting, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that works in India because it's, uh, at the end of the day, it's essentially an, on, an always online game. It's a game that re- requires you to be, to you know, have a decent internet connection. There are tons of patches. There's a community around it. It's something that you need to have a persistent connection to play. And while there have been a bunch of people playing it, at least on PSN from what I've seen, will they, will, will they carry over and play Destiny 2 is, is, is a big question mark because the first game didn't get as many updates as it should have. And despite Activision and Bungie's promise to, lock, to you know, run it for five, five years, to run it for 10 years and all that, that's definitely not happening. So, and you can't even carry your character over. So what the hell? Man? I mean, they probably will just leave Destiny 1 servers running for 10 years. So that's their support. Yeah. but And by server, probably like a hamster on a wheel, you know, just <laughs> like, you know, pumping out the processing power needed. But um, yeah, so b- these two are coming out. Uh, they seem to be pretty big. It's good to know that actually we're getting pricing ahead of time, which doesn't happen. And uh, all goes well. Hopefully, I mean, people decide what's worth their money. Personally, I don't think it makes sense to spend 4000 for either game. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the pro discount side of things where, you know, day one on this to me makes no sense. And let's be honest here, I don't think I'm alone here because there are still a lot of people playing Black Ops 3. And Black Ops 3 is still getting updates with paid DLC, which is which looks really interesting because they have a full full fledged zombie mode coming in for thirty dollars, which is really good. With which eight I, maps from Black Ops One, Black Ops Two, World at War. Yes, yes. So it's like a full proper expansion. Yeah, and they, they, and that game's like over what two years, two 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 and a half years. But old. yeah, like uh, Infinite Warfare, the base game, not the Legacy Edition, is like available. I've seen it online on eBay and all for under 2,000 rupees. You can get the Legacy Edition for around three. And these launched at nearly double the price initially. So if you're just buying it for the campaign, at least you can just easily wait because uh, they're going to fix a lot of stuff for sure through updates. But 
yeah like there's no need to get this early yeah i mean to be honest the same would apply to destiny 2 because no matter how limited the quantities are at the end of it it'll still be cheaper down the line so where both of these games are concerned and yeah i know that you know call of duty is popular here and stuff and people buy it at crazy amounts of money which is why the pricing has basically stayed in that 4000 range for the longest time i mean for some people they just pick up fifa 18 and call of duty world war 2 this year and that's it they're done with yeah. gaming but so. you know you guys can everyone can do better and i just don't think another world war 2 shooter or another shooter in general is the way forward okay so okay. before the hate like takes over the podcast entirely <laughs> i mean both of us are going to buy the game so yeah exactly you know <laughs> can't yeah. understand why you're complaining but anyway mike do you want to tell us about what people can expect when they buy blizzard games in india okay so uh, blizzard as you may or may not know blizzard finally has uh, a new distributor and their games are available on uh, store shelves after a very long time Uh, and after many of all start with a press release claiming it's out but it's not but now it is so yeah so yeah like if you head to your local game store you should uh, see blizzard games on the shelves in fact they're supposed to have a dedicated section for blizzard games uh the thing is uh, while the likes of starcraft world of warcraft warcraft 3 overwatch are available uh, not not all of them uh, have this nice physical package that you'd expect from blizzard games like the world of warcraft like the world of warcraft base game is available for 699 and it's a pretty good package that has a brady game starter guide it has like four discs it has lots of extras and it it basically is like a collector's edition of another game but the starcraft 2 battle chest which has all the expansions and the base game is just standard packaging for blizzard they didn't actually bring the starcraft battle chest which uh, looks like a collector's edition box basically this looks more like a cardboard box in the size of a dvd case because traditionally blizzard for their battle chests goes with a go go with a bigger box they also go with a lot more extras that come with it and essentially the the battle chest packaging is similar to to how big box pc games used to be in the late in the early 90s but that isn't the case here it's just a simple dvd cardboard box which is I mean not how what you'd expect from Blizzard. Now, uh, I'm sure a lot of a lot of people listening in are probably the sort who buy their games digital or probably, you know, are fine with cardboard box packaging and that's usually okay with other publishers. But Blizzard has a history of taking care of its customers of actually not cutting corners with stuff like this is concerned. And it's really sad to see that yeah, they've decided to cut corners on, you know, one of the better franchises around. And this Starcraft. looks like this looks like more of a regional issue because uh, India obviously gets stock from European regions with the PEGI rating. So it looks like StarCraft 2's battle chest had two variants in Europe, but in the US there was just one variant which was the big box. So uh, hopefully this uh, like when future games come in like the Diablo battle Diablo 3 battle chest which is supposed to show up in a month or two, hopefully the packaging is good because in a lot of cases fans are just buying these to have them in their collection and they own them digitally. So like even in the case of Overwatch I have a physical copy from the US and the packaging was like it was a big box like probably three DVD cases together while the one which is available in stores is pretty thin so I think they might have skimped out on either the packaging material inside or something you're still getting the same game but yeah as a collector it's pretty disappointing I mean essentially the paper quality is also a miss when it comes to Overwatch it seems thinner seems leaner leaner it doesn't seem to have all the extras you'd expect I mean the US one I mean we haven't even we haven't unboxed the UK or the one available in India yet which is 3299 or 3199 But uh, the one in the US opened up, and you could see the full Overwatch squad, at least the one that launched with it. Every hero, and it had lots of nice artwork, and also, yeah. 
Yeah, well, so Rishi, I think it's time that we um, touch that big elephant in the room, which is called the Xbox One S. Well, uh, see, I think two he, months ago, we reported that it's going to be in India soon. What happened? So firstly, it's it's not an elephant if it doesn't exist. And yeah, we kind of goofed up on that one. This is, and in fact, it wasn't just us. It seems that the entire distribution chain uh, got uh, hyped up for the wrong reasons. Uh, At that time, we reported that the Xbox One S would be coming to stores in April. And this is something everyone in the distribution chain even confirmed. But it just so happens that uh, Microsoft has reneged on that and has decided to wait until GST has been, you know, finalized before bringing it in. Uh, That's what they're telling everyone at retail. But at the same time, uh, we've been given to understand that their uh, adventure into retail channels that isn't Amazon hasn't been as fulfilling as it should have been. Uh, We've seen reports come in, and these are even people who read our site who who have even emailed us, saying that uh, they've had situations where uh, they've been buying the standard Xbox One, which has been dead out of the box, and getting any replacement or help from Microsoft has been a, a tough ask. And that aside, even retailers have confirmed this with us, where uh, let's say out of 20, 25 units, four or five end up being bad, which is a really high failure rate. And these are launch units of the Xbox One, which are uh, vintage 2013. Now, the Xbox One made it to India in 2014. And uh, as we all know at that time, Microsoft sold I think under 1500 units in the first uh, four months, which is pretty damn really sad. Actually more than four months. I think in the first six months, 1500 or less. Mm. Uh, And whatever has been available here has basically been the same stock. So I think it's a mix of both. It's a question of yes, GST, which makes sense because even, even Sony is anticipating a drop in hardware price. It's something Microsoft desperately needs to stay competitive. And uh, at the same time, yeah, it's also a question of offloading all the old inventory. Um, the latest that's been told to the stores is uh, they're looking at a release around uh, when GST is finalized, which basically means that if you're looking, if you're the sort who's looking for or wants the original Xbox, please, you don't trust me. You just get the One S if you can. Uh, there's a, the, It's basically end of life for India. Mm, so once yeah. once the original one's over, the One S should come in. And they're, they're thinking that'll happen around GST. But the problem here is, uh, assume the uh, as far as I've heard, GST is going to be finalized by August. And uh, September, October, in Nove- by November, we should see Scorpio. So the question is then, do you end up buying the One S if and when it comes out? Or do you just pick up the Scorpio again if it when it comes out? And at the end of the day, I, I have more faith in the gray market bringing both in than Microsoft. It's reached a point where you can pick up a 500 gig Xbox One S with a game for under 18,000 rupees. So... And Xbox that, One S. Yeah. 18, with a game. Yeah, 18,000 rupees. That's crazy. So why would you... So the question is, why would you wait for yeah, Microsoft exactly. to bring I it mean, in? Why would anybody do that? And that's already been happening. It's reached the point where Microsoft's own PR has been asking us where we got our One S from. Hmm. So it's it's a it's a weird situation. Honestly, if, you, if you're invested in the Microsoft ecosystem, uh, it's going to be a tough few months until Scorpio's out, until we have any idea on that. And unless you're willing to, you know, buy in the gray market or have someone coming over from the US or are willing to import, it's going to be tough times. So what is this Microsoft ecosystem you speak of? Basically like Xbox and Forza? Xbox, Windows 10. Whoa. Windows 10's a thing. Okay. Games anywhere. Apparently. So basically this is for the one and a half people who use Windows Store, right? 
probably yeah less yeah. so anyway mike you want to talk about your um, love for pray <laughs> <laughs> what by love for pray i don't even like the font they used on the game so because yeah. it's all about eat love pray am i right or eat pray love this is why the game bombed everywhere and this is why it's not going to and people who want to buy it in india cheaper screwed yeah well people so buy what people who want to buy it in india are basically uh, screwed why because pray on pc is essentially sold out online what yeah pray uh, now expecting a bethesda game which is usually priced higher in this case uh, 3000 rupees for the pc version uh, which has denovo and various other things uh, it's actually sold out online and the only way you could get a physical copy of it in india is uh, if you call up an offline retailer and they happen to have the one or two copies which they ordered in uh the console versions obviously available because when retail or when distributors import stock they usually get much more quantity on ps4 uh it depends but yeah more or less the ps4 number and pc number is neck and neck in a lot of times p uh p the ps4 number is is a lot higher so like yeah. in, in the case of assassin's creed i mean when we used to get physical copies on pc the ps4 number was like multiple times higher than the pc number when they used to import uh i don't think that was a case with unity but definitely with syndicate yes okay so uh basically prey is sold out they obviously didn't bring as much as they should have or more people have bought because it's uh, 4000 rupees on steam as opposed to being 2999 at retail but then what's the point even at retail 2999 you can buy it on a site like cd keys for uh 2200 so uh, yeah like yeah. between 22 and 2500 i'm just saying if people wanted a physical copy of prey they yeah they essentially screwed the same thing happened with doom where it was sold out pretty soon after release i think but It's also very odd because you wouldn't expect these games to sell out on PC. It just makes you wonder if they even brought it in to begin with. No, I've seen a copy of Prey, so they have brought it in, but uh, they obviously brought in very little because come on, it's essentially a reboot of a an old IP which wasn't that popular in the first place. Reimagining. Hmm. Okay, Todd Howard, and uh, <laughs> and Bethesda basically didn't hype it up at all because no one had access to it early. Well. no one with an asterisk yeah that's all i'll say yeah, yeah. <laughs> so rishi 9 on 10 huh? it's really good it's really yeah. really good so how did you get a review copy tell us a story oh <laughs> uh, it's simple or uh, when it's very simple actually and in fact that's something it's something i'm surprised a lot more sites haven't been paying attention to it's see here's the thing uh for a lot of publishers there are markets beyond the us and uk beyond the us and europe rather uh and those are markets like south america markets like your markets like the middle east and there's india right but the problem is uh i mean in certain countries like for example uh the middle east on its own for a lot of publishers is a lot is a bigger market than the entirety of france so it's it's turning out to be a really important market now when it's an important market and it's growing uh it seems that they're more than happy to turn a blind eye to all the riffraff that goes on So there used there tends to be street trade breaks in the Middle East, the, the part, particularly in the UAE, which is a free trade zone. So we end up seeing copies being street trade breaks happening there very frequently. It's happened for like every Ubisoft game last year. It happened with uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: Phantom Pain. It happened with Metal Gear Solid Five: Ground Zeroes. It happened with, Unch- I think I think the only exception was Uncharted Four, but I, but I think every game last year and a lot of games this year. and it have been leaked in in the UAE first and it it's been going on since 2008 since it since the days of first infamous game since killzone 2 it's been going on so the fact of the matter is uh and you also have to understand that i think 
India alone has one point. I think they're close to one point three or two million Indians who go there regularly. Yeah. And you're looking at a situation where there is a very organized, well, bunch of people who keep bringing stock in. Mm. Now that's how we got a copy. An early copy showed up through the grey market, mm. and that's how it operates. That's how it works. Yeah, but partly I believe all these other sites are not. paying so much attention to this or not trying to get copies of games via these methods because they have these relationships with all the publishers and i think if we're, if we're talking specifically about india uh, not naming names but for a lot of publications over here a review copy is a free copy of a game more than delivering a review to your audience yeah, so yeah, yeah in their yeah. case they probably will be waiting for a review copy instead of trying to like actually have something ready for the people who are buying it on yeah. day one so i was talking about like more about uh, publications in say europe and other regions yeah but then but here we don't have any official presence for so many of these uh, publishers mean, and even if we email them it's not like they talk to us right so here's the thing they actually have an official presence through their distributor yeah. but more often than not the distributors are uh, what's the term i'm looking for they they, they tiptoe the fine line between being clueless and not caring Yeah. and it becomes a problem for the rest of us who are actually trying to help everyone else out yeah the site can't function if you give us review copies one day after launch it's not a question of review copies in itself it's just a yeah. question of basic information not yeah, even told yeah exactly so i mean like for example right even a game like call of duty i mean it's the first time in years we've got pricing ahead of time uh, for the last 2 years whatever pricing info we've got whatever basic knowledge we needed to know which consumers needed to know was only told 2 months prior to release mm. which is hilarious because if the rest of the world already has their stuff up yeah exactly why aren't you guys doing your job yeah so it's 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 a mix of things right and it, and a lot of it has to do with the distributors here because publishers won't give it, give any publication the time of day mm. in in a country like india where the sales aren't that hot i mean it's a it's an it's another story altogether that the media has a disproportionate share of voice here versus the actual sales of a game mm. but uh we're not exactly high on priority list and the people in the system the quote and quote custodians of the publishers who are supposed to you know figure stuff out aren't interested simple as that yeah so each to his own anyway so since you mentioned ubisoft in the conversation earlier i think it's time we spoke about this new assassin's creed leaks and while we're at it also bring in the far cry leaks that were like revealed i think a few days ago so Assassin's Creed is coming back this year after a one year break. It's apparently going to be called Assassin's Creed Origins. It'll set place, it'll take place in Egypt and might have you going on an adventure that extends all the way up to Greece and it'll have both male and female protagonists. Apparently it's going to be uh, along the way along the lines of The Witcher in terms of traversal in terms of open world in terms of seamlessness. Uh it seems like a big ask. It seems like too um, to be too ambitious. than what we've been used to from the Assassin's Creed games. Uh personally I really loved what they did with Unity. I really liked the scale and the 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 way the quests, you know, flowed, the way the way that mission objectives rolled over if you miss a certain point. So it'll be interesting to see if they manage to take all their learnings from from the, from games like Unity, from games like Black Flag, from games like uh, Assassin's Creed 2 and bring up something. But the very fact that they're looking to that they're trying to gun for something like witcher is extremely ambitious because at the end of the day each section of witcher was pretty much handcrafted there's none of that procedurally generated nonsense we keep seeing in games these days in it everything is done and placed purposely for a reason it's the same thing it's the same reason why it's very tough for anyone to come on uh, come in and beat a skyrim or a fallout 4 because everything is done in such a meticulous fashion and i Wait, don't fallout and meticulous fashion <laughs> i regret nothing <laughs> 
I love the games, so I regret nothing. Yeah, well, even I'm a big fan. I mean, I've I've not played Fallout Four, but Fallout Three was one of my favorite so games back in the day. You should play New Vegas. Way you better. should. Yeah. I don't think you'd still be a fan if you played Fallout Four. But yeah, <laughs> hate. No, dude. but uh, honestly, like having a two-year break for Assassin's Creed and them being so ambitious, I don't know exactly. how that's going to end because. uh they also have to follow up uh, did they actually name the witcher 3 like did they actually mention that by name well this is what according to several sources who have who are close to the publisher have said okay and this oh yeah is, obviously this yeah. is not official yet but if they are actually going to mention the witcher 3 by name then uh, i don't think they, they will they i don't think they i don't think they i don't will. think they have the capability to do something like that and also i'm actually curious to know if they'll go with a numbered title for this because uh, assassin's creed black flag was assassin's creed 4 like that was the yes, official yes. title uh then they skip the numbering for unity and syndicate so yes. i'm wondering if they'll bring it back because a numbered new assassin's creed would like you'd get more sales just for that also i don't know i think so like like i said every report on the internet claims that it's going to be called Assassin's Creed Origins which makes sense it Consid- sounds like another collection i mean there's so many assassin's creed games and collections like the true, name true well, wouldn't love that game very much oh, yeah it should have been called assassin's creed steam am i right or yeah. assassin's creed gog yeah. but jokes aside uh, yeah so it that's apparently a thing i i want to see if they make any improvements to the stealth mechanics because to me that's an that's a that's an area where i kind of liked the games so let's see where where that goes hopefully we should see and hear more about this around e3 if not earlier uh that's why we're hearing conflicting reports some some reports claim that we're going to see a pre e3 reveal others claim that it's going to be shown off at e3 alone so that's one to look forward to but that aside what's more interesting than a new assassin's creed game is far cry 5 or a new far cry game with no actual name yet yeah. where Apparently it takes place in Montana and in the 19th century and it's in the Wild West. Mm. Now, this is very interesting for a variety of reasons. One uh we were supposed to get Red Dead Redemption 2 which has a yeah. Wild West setting, but that doesn't look like it's coming this year. Second thing is um the Far Cry games are known for their ludicrously dark humor. and ex- an exploration of themes that aren't exactly taboo so how that melds with w- with the wild west setting will be really really cool to see uh now the the source of this was uh, a w- was a publication uh, a, a local montana publication that mentioned one of its churches will feature in a live action promo for an upcoming game first people thought that it would be uh, red dead redemption 2 but the fact of the matter is uh the guy the the video producer is the same producer who worked on the live action ads for far cry primal at the same time uh kotaku's jason shreer has also said that has also confirmed on popular gaming forum neogaf that uh, it is far cry 5 that is the next far cry game and we don't know if the, the actual name is going to be far cry 5 or whether it'll have far cry colon you know wild west or whatever but uh, yeah so this seems to be a thing i think uh, mike you want to talk about injustice 2 i mean we need to talk about injustice 2 it's almost uh, i think it's very close to release we're yeah. less than 2 weeks away yeah uh, the distributor is bringing all three editions of the game on both consoles Uh, which includes the deluxe edition which has a few skins and i think one or two more characters and the ultimate edition which should have a steelbook and it's uh, nearly double the price or it is double the price so uh, but what's more interesting is injustice 2 has a very different uh, in game leveling and gear system or it's something which you don't you haven't seen in fighting games before uh, but given how netherrealm treated mortal combat x and xl with Uh, a plethora of microtransactions scattered into it 
uh, including ones that would just unlock everything from the crypt. Uh, everyone thought, given this whole gear system and stuff where you level up and you level up your gear and use your fighting style changes depending on the gear you use, it's something you can easily inject microtransactions into. But uh, NetherRealm have said that it is not pay to win. To give you a bit of background for those of you who are new to the fighting genre, uh, the fighting genre has been going undergoing a bit of a... Uh, has has been in a state of chaos for a while. We've seen a situation where Mortal Kombat X and XL, Mortal Kombat X and XL, yes, have had a crazy number of microtransactions and which basically also broke balance. And at, and on and after that, we saw Street Fighter V, which decided to take a more mercenary approach to things by uh, doling out uh, season passes for each year. So you not only have a Street Fighter V season pass, you have a Street Fighter 2017 season pass, and so on and so forth which basically goes nicely into Capcom's little theory of uh, games as a service, meaning, we, meaning we'll take a kidney from you each year. or Yes. More. So uh, at the same time, uh, it, considering the amount of confusion around Injustice 2's microtransactions so close to release, it just seems to be taking the worst parts of Overwatch with the worst parts of Mortal Kombat X and XL. And yeah, it's very disturbing at this stage. What do you think, Mike? So, NetherRealm has gone on record and said that Injustice 2's microtransactions will not be pay to win. Uh, they are called Source Crystals, which is the in game currency. And these just let you uh, make cosmetic changes to your fighters. So, uh, there are obviously going to be skins which you can outright buy with real money. But there are multiple different versions of these now with shaders and stuff like that. In fact, the Deluxe and Ultimate Editions also have some of these included. So you can transform gear with with uh, source crystals and this will let you make something look like something else. But, uh, and the, the transform gear will match the stats of the previous thing. But this does not affect gameplay in any way. And this is just cosmetic. So I'm not, I think they've gone into this in-depth uh, customization and skin system to see how it'll work before they actually uh, do something full-fledged into this i think with the next game but uh this seems like an overly complicated skin system uh to me i'd rather prefer like just multiple costumes which you can just buy but uh, given uh, the whole gear system over here where they've let you have multiple styles i'm not really sure what NetherRealm is going for but yeah there will be microtransactions yes i can't wait for the day microtransactions are tied into injustice 2's lore where you know Batman must fight Superman, but hey, first, you know, pay $20 for the privilege to change your gear of war. I guess you could say that the microtransaction system is a grave injustice. <laughs> and yeah, as of uh, this recording, there's no pricing been confirmed yet. And the game is coming out in two weeks. So that's yes, going to be fun. That is definitely worrying. And uh, if things play out like they did for Mortal Kombat X... Uh, People who have an early copy are going to be revealing this information rather than <laughs> official sources because that's exactly what happened with microtransactions in that game. Yep. Mm. And they actually uh, advertised DLC characters on the home screen for Mortal Kombat X. Like, it's sad that they had to resort to do all this stuff when the game is pretty fantastic. So, looking forward to seeing how Injustice 2 turns out. Alright then. So, I think we can move along and talk about the games that we've been playing this week most exciting of these games is of course dragon quest heroes 2 which Something i believe no one expected anyone shocker <laughs> more like dragon quest heroes you am i right yeah. because slime <laughs> because of slime uh, 
Yeah, well, so I've been playing this game. I mean, reviewed it, gave it an eight on ten. Uh, first Dragon Quest game ever. Haven't played any uh, mainline Dragon Quest game or the previous Dragon Quest heroes or Dynasty Warriors, uh, which was Omega. So Forces this was your game. first uh, warrior style game and your first Dragon Quest game. Yeah. Well, it's one of the best places to start out for sure, and you do not need to play the original Dragon Quest heroes at all. Like it'll be a downgrade in almost every way. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I've been playing it as well. So. Yeah, so I've been enjoying it a lot simply because it is like a very fun combination of this hack and slash and role playing elements and RPGs. As I've said before, are my favorite uh, genre of games. I really, really do enjoy uh, the lore in this game. Like that whole story of that thousand years ago, there was some peace and then it was broken. I mean, and then they decided we will never fight again. And finally, seven kingdoms are there and they're starting to fight again. That really like got me hooked to the game. And then once I started fighting all these monsters. Uh, the first battle itself, I believe, when those Dunisians attack the kingdom of Haba, uh, the first battle itself has some 300 monsters standing in front of you. Oh yeah, you... Th- that's the whole point of these games. You have like hordes of enemies. Yeah. Except in this case, they've uh, skinned the whole uh, warrior style with Dragon Quest artwork and enemies. Yeah. But uh, one interesting thing about this is the medal system, which lets you summon monsters or even yep. become into those big monsters. Yeah. Which is a nice change from like at least the first game. Which so you know what, bad. I was actually losing a lot of battles initially uh, because this game is not like, even though it's like hack and slash, it doesn't mean that you can just jump into hordes of monsters all the time and start winning. And like there are two important things here. First is that you have four party members, up to four in each battle, and you can switch between them. So it's not like, you know, just because you're, f- you're one character and the others are just fighting on their own, like uh, what we have in Mass Effect. Um, it's not like that. You can play as each of these characters. That gives like a lot of variety. And secondly, you can basically, you have to strategize. You can't just go in and attack all out. Every character can't be that vanguard, I mean, shotgun wielding type um, character and take the brunt of all attacks. So some characters will be support characters. So you kind of like heal other characters using those people. Or some characters will be better at ranged attacks. Like uh, Maribel, I believe, is is one so, you know, you basically stand far away and attack while two other characters are attacking the uh, main, like, big boss or whoever it is from close by. So, because of that, I was losing a lot of battles initially. It took me some time to figure this out. But once I did, I also discovered these monster medals, which you just mentioned. Yeah. And I figured out that if you time your monster medals right, you will actually, um, like, get through battles very easily. Because it gives you invincibility frames, essentially. Yeah, for some time. And also, it improves your attack drastically. Like, that mechanized robot thing. Yeah, uh, also the golem it's like at least uh, uh, it's fun to finally like play as the enemies after a lot of dragon quest games but one thing to note about this game it's more rpg than warriors compared Mm. to the other games like if you pick up dynasty warriors or samurai warriors those are completely different uh, in terms of progression here you have skills which you can level up you have skills which you can gain with experience and Stuff like that. So it's it's the best way to get into both these franchises, I'd say. Yeah, and also, like, I really enjoyed the high tension mode in these games, uh, in this particular game. It's basically if you, like, chain a lot of attacks, then your tension bar fills up. And once that happens, then you basically go into high tension mode, which is another short period of invincibility. And once you go there, like, towards the end, you unleash a special attack, which has a different set of killer graphics for each character. So I really enjoyed Toneko's uh, special attack, which is basically him just blowing his uh, tiny trumpet-like musical instrument and summoning a whole bunch of random monsters who just charge and attack everybody on the field. And the funny thing is that Toneko stumbles himself and falls at the end of that. So I find that uh, quite funny. But ultimately, yeah, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Played about 15 hours till like nowhere close to completing it. 
but yeah good story um good combat only thing i didn't like is that whole stupid saving mechanism where you have to go to the priestess and manually save um that's you know i believe there was something due to hardware limitations in the original dragon quest games is still there in this latest game right now i i think uh, it's sad that even like this game is available on at least in japan it's on vita and uh, switch as well so having forced save points in portable games is like a crime according to me yeah like at least uh, you can put your ps4 in suspend mode if you want but you should let people save anywhere like it's 2017 yeah and another irritating thing is that you can't change your party members at any point you have to go back to accordia meet that particular innkeeper woman and then change your party members which basically means a team of four people that fight so you can change them and like switch them around for different battle experiences and that's perhaps one of the most like uh, fun things in the game but you can only do it if you go back to accordia so you meet these people and it gives you a nice message on screen saying that this person has joined your party but wait you can't really fight with them until you go back to accordia so that creates an unnecessary point of friction in the game yeah but like at least they let you warp back like in, yeah, in some yeah. of these games you have to actually run all the way back yeah. through hordes of enemies yeah so, at least they have yeah. fast travel sorted out properly so yeah so mike i believe you also been playing mario kart 8 right yeah uh, i've actually played online quite a bit uh there's this group of people who had it on the Wii U obviously I didn't I just played it for probably 20 minutes when I borrowed Rishi's Wii U but uh yeah did a few tournaments online battle mode also with uh, 11 other people across US Europe and Japan and worked brilliantly uh played it around 11 in the night so there were a lot of people randoms also when a few people dropped out was a lot of fun played it in portable mode only have no idea how it plays in docked mode at least online but uh, really good uh, it still has this uh, voting system where people choose uh, mm, yeah so even if every single person chooses the same map it's going to do this animation where it's <laughs> picking a random set out of one of these so it's quite stupid, yeah it but, looks uh, like a lucky draw but it isn't you know but yeah, uh, yeah it's a lot of fun the battle mode is really fun especially the splatoon map which mm. is there urchin and, underpass yeah urchin underpass and uh, yeah still uh, playing through the the taunt the grand prix which is there on the uh, the first main mode doing it with all the uh, the difficulties are basically race speeds in Mario Kart like 50 cc 100 150 so it's a lot of fun so far yeah and uh, yeah i've been uh, playing more of that than zelda actually i think i'll be able to wrap up zelda in like 20 30 hours now i can see the end at some point so wow yeah <laughs> and how many how many hours have you put in the game right 70 something okay that's not too bad considering what you did for persona 5 yeah like Yeah. Zelda wishes it was that good. Yeah, But I still can't understand how Rishi managed to finish Persona 5 in 80 hours while you took 130 hours to finish. It's called game. skills. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't have it really. <laughs> Hate. So, uh, yeah. He I must have seen a game over when an enemy one-shot him and he's like, "Yes, I finished it." <laughs> One-shots don't happen in Persona. <laughs> One-shot, one kill. Yeah, that's what you <laughs> watch. So, so, yeah, other than uh, other than Mario Kart been playing a lot of stuff on the Vita like for a dead console it's getting five physical retail releases this month and it's pretty interesting a lot of them are visual novels and like strategy games so started playing this visual novel called Period Cube Shackles of Amadeus where you play as a girl who's playing a online MMO style game and uh, basically if you've played Sword Art online or Dot Hack or watched any of these things the story is similar So been playing that also been playing uh, this game by Furyu called The Caligula Effect which has like one of the most interesting starts in a long time where uh it basically plays like this anime called Angel Beats where people who have uh, 
it people who have uh, been i think what's the word i'm looking for people who have had bad things happen to them or have done bad things get transported to this uh, fictional high school world called mobius where uh, a 40 year old dude in real life could be like a high school girl in this world and uh, there's a performer called mew who's uh, providing energy to this world and then a few people have discovered this and they want to get back to reality so they're fighting through this and it's a dungeon crawler but uh, it's pretty boring combat wise and uh, i think the on- only thing i like about it is the music and the art yeah but she is also, also playing that yeah. so yeah i've been playing caligula effect and uh, i still can't get over the technical issues but i'm getting there it's basically as mike said the combat's interesting though but yeah just that that aside been playing a lot of uh, uh dark siders war remastered edition on the ps4 which is basically an adults version of zelda uh, lots of blood lots of gore very intricate level design like the dungeons are so are that for a game that actually came out in 2008 uh, sorry 2009 the game the level design still holds up for a lot of the dungeons it's still very much playable uh the controls are, are, are just as good as well so i've been playing through that that's quite fun uh basically prepping myself for dark siders 3 when that hits cuz i'm interested in that what's what's amusing is that i've started the the last two uh, dark siders 1 and 2 at, at various points and never got around to finishing them so i'm just starting afresh um that aside been playing uh, the trail which is a game by peter molyneux the guy who made fable and mm. black and white goddess let's and not goddess, forget goddess and uh, it's surprisingly fun so been playing that it's basically a ex- cell shaded exploration game on 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 mobile and that's a lot of it's quite fun to play uh, so basically very, like uh, to boot the game do you have to pay like $5 or $10 oh come on no nothing of that sort it's actually pretty inter- it's a, it's a it's a cool experiment and it it's fun to play it's basically you're exploring the brave new world of sorts and it's nicely good done in terms of colors and all and i'd also be very curious to know if it has any of the like bugs and other technical issues that played goddess at the start cuz i believe like it was it. crashing quite a bit initially uh, goddess yeah but this doesn't seem to have any of those problems yeah so good that those things are sorted so out so right? what's amusing is that this wasn't this wasn't launched with much hype yeah, exactly. it's been on the store for a while but there hasn't yeah. been any massive publicity around it yeah. but i don't know according to peter molyneux people are, thousands of people are coming back daily to play it but it's fun to play i mean mm. it's, it's a nice little escape so yeah we've been basically playing that and yeah a couple of rounds of overwatch getting back to it on the ps4 so yeah surprisingly yeah. enough mike doesn't seem to have mentioned overwatch in this episode yeah i haven't actually played much of it for the last 5 days i think probably just i tried getting into a competitive game in the morning but it was taking too long so uh, i just ended up like finishing some enemies which i have to do in zelda so yeah yeah that maybe that's why you've been like um talking about overwatch sounds in the podcast yeah. what is that one shot one kill yeah. withdrawal symptoms happening yep anyway in other news i finished team world heist and i reiterate my opinion from last week which is that i believe i've stolen the developers money by buying it on sale i definitely am going to pick up uh, steam world dig 2 whenever that hits and hopefully we'll be reviewing it too let's see how that goes on the switch looking forward to that completely All right, so that's about all we have for this episode of Transition and we will see you with another episode next week. As always, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram at gadgets360. You can also send us emails with your questions, comments and feedback at podcast at gadgets360.com. And as always, the music we've used in this podcast comes via Magnus Solai Paulson from his album PPP PPP.